0: Thanks for joining us. The following is a presentation of Ignite Global Ministries and features the teaching of Pastor Ben Dixon. Pastor Ben has a vision of strengthening the church to impact the world. He serves as lead pastor at Northwest Foursquare Church in Federal Way, Washington. Father, we thank you in Jesus' mighty name for what you're doing. Thank you, Lord, for showing me just a picture that you're doing a new thing in us, we receive it by faith and we thank you, Lord, God, we ask that you would give us eyes to see and ears to hear. I pray that you would fill our hearts with passion for the gospel. I pray that we would be unashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the very power of God unto salvation. We thank you, Lord, that there's something fresh, the passion that we would have for you. Restore to us the joy of our salvation. As we come to you in prayer tonight, we pray that, and we push back against the enemy. We push back against illness, sickness, disease, and we thank you that you're our physician. We thank you that you're our healer. We thank you that you're our deliverer. We thank you that you come with power. We thank you, Lord, that your voice is the voice that we're to listen to, and your voice literally is above every other voice. And so now would you lead us as we open your word? And as we do, God, would you give to us the grace to walk it out as your people, we pray, in Jesus' mighty name. And all Northwest Church said, Amen, I heard you in the spirit. I mean, I really didn't, but in Jesus' name, I did. Now listen, we are on Wednesday nights in a sermon series called Evangelism is for Everyone. And the reason I've called it that is because evangelism is for everyone. Don't you love the name? The name says what it means, and it means what it says. Tonight, we're in lesson four, and this is called Power Evangelism. You might remember where I talked to you about sort of that three-pronged approach That I wanted to really approach evangelism with, and that was I wanted to talk to you about the motivation, which is the heart of the Father, that he loved us so much that he sent his one and only son. I also talked to you about the message, which was the gospel, and we went through that clearly and concisely. I want to make sure that everybody understands the gospel message. Why? Because it's the message that we ultimately share with people, that men and women might be saved. Now we're shifting gears. We started last week talking about the methods of evangelism. I never want to jump right to the the methods because it assumes the message and the motivation, which are really the foundation for us being able to share with people. And the first, really, this way I want to take tonight is all about power. And I want us to be very clear about this. We know that after Jesus rose from the dead and he spoke to his disciples and he commissioned them, to be a part of his mission. He says this in John chapter 20 and verse 21. So Jesus said to them, peace be with you. As the Father sent me, now I also send you. And the question that we have is how was Jesus sent? We've got to think about that for a moment because he said the way that I was sent is the way that I'm sending you. And I believe we read about how Jesus was sent in Mark chapter one and verse nine. And here's what it says. At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and he was baptized by John in the the Jordan. As Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the spirit descending on him like a dove and the voice came from heaven, the voice of the father said, you are my son whom I love with you. I am well pleased. At once the spirit sent him out into the desert and he was in the desert 40 days being tempted by Satan and he was with the wild animals, and the angels attended him. Now, here's what we learn from this is that Jesus was commissioned by the Father in the power of the Holy Spirit. I want you to see that in this passage. He was being baptized. It says that the heavens opened and the Holy Spirit descended upon him. It says in the form of a dove, and as he came up out of the water, That he goes into the wilderness, he comes out of the wilderness in the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus was sent and commissioned with power and authority. And it's important for us to know that when all of our methods of evangelism fail, we've got to recognize that we are sent by Jesus, like Jesus, in the power of God's Spirit. The reason that I claim to be a Pentecostal is not because I'm trying to dismiss other parts of the body of Christ. I'm simply saying that I believe that what happened on the day of Pentecost when the Spirit of God was poured out is the same thing that happens today when you and I believe upon Jesus, that he pours out his Spirit upon us, not so that we can be powerful or just have an encounter, but so that we can be witnesses of power like Jesus was in the world When he came, so we shall be as well. We are sent by Jesus and we are sent like Jesus. Go ahead and look at your neighbor, look at your spouse, look at your friend, look at yourself and say, you have power. Why? Because you do. We represent a supernatural God who gives us supernatural power power, the message that we're telling people is that we believe that a man rose from the dead and that man was God the Son and he came to restore us to right relationship with the Father and if you believe upon him, your sins are forgiven, your life is restored, you have eternal life in his name and he fills you with the Holy Spirit and you get to be a messenger as well. Nobody's going to buy that message if there isn't something attached to it, but there is. Power from the Holy Spirit is attached to it. Sometimes people ask me this question. They say, Pastor Ben, why don't we see more power in the church? Why don't we see more bodies getting healed? And why don't we see more people getting delivered and addictions being set free and all of that? Why don't we see more miracles? And I think maybe part of the answer is because we're looking in the wrong place. I look at Jesus's life and I did this. I actually just studied the gospels and I wanted to know not only what miracles Jesus did, but where did Jesus do them? From the four gospel accounts, I found 20 healings. Now there were more than that, but in the synoptic gospels, some of the accounts are the same ones. And again, at times, it says Jesus healed 10 lepers, and there are scriptures that say all who came to him, he healed, and we don't know how many of that is. We assume it's a ton, but I found 20 accounts where Jesus healed someone or he healed many people. There were six demonic deliverance accounts, and there were eight miracles, and I might be off by one or two, but there's, there's literally mid-30s, these stories about miracles, signs, wonders, deliverances, and healings. And there were lots of people that were a part of that. And see, out of all of those scenarios, there was only two of them that actually happened in the synagogue. Now, I want you to hear me when I say this only two healings happened in the midst of a gathering of Jesus's day. The rest of them were out everywhere and anywhere. Sometimes when I think about the life of Jesus and I read that he sent his disciples out two by two and he gave them power and authority that they would cast out demons, that they would preach the kingdom, that they would heal the sick, they would cleanse the leper, all that they would do, he sent them out two by two to the cities that he was about to go. And what's amazing about that is everywhere that they went, and we see this in the book of Acts. They healed, they delivered, they preached, they served, and God was glorified. Jesus was exalted. People gave their, gave their lives to Jesus, and we see God's purposes moving forward. I wonder if sometimes that we are looking for the right thing to happen in the wrong place. Now, I was reading this passage of Scripture, and I think it speaks to us in Matthew chapter 11 and verse 23. And this is Jesus talking. You might remember where he gives the many woes. He's like, woe to this city and woe to that city. Woe to the Pharisees and the scribes. And I believe there are seven woes. Very important statements where Jesus is bringing a rebuke. And he says this, And you, Capernaum, will not be exalted to heaven, will you? You will descend to Hades. For if the miracles had occurred in Sodom, which occurred in you, it would have remained until this day. Nevertheless, I say to you that it will be more tolerable for the land of Sodom in the day of judgment than it will be for you. Jesus rebuked Capernaum because he preached and he did many miracles there, and they did not respond. I want you to hear something. He preached and he did many miracles there, and very few responded of those that even did. But he's saying, if I would have done the same ministry in Sodom and Gomorrah, now think, Sodom is a place that is known. We, when we think about, and again, I don't mean to be grotesque, but when we say the term sodomy, we're talking about lewd sexuality, homosexuality. We're talking about, this is not what God created men and women to be a part of. He created them with a biblical, a, a Christian sexual ethic is what we preach. And, and Sodom is known for just this this sexual immorality. And he's saying that if I would have done the same amount of miracles there that I did in you, around you, that they would have remained to this, I wouldn't have judged them. I mean, this is interesting that he's saying that if I would have gone to the darkest of places, and done the miracles that I did, they would have remained, and it's gonna be more tolerable on the day of judgment than it will be for you. Capernaum was known as a religious city. Capernaum had many religious people, many Pharisees, many scribes, many religious leaders. What is he saying? What does Jesus mean by this? That sometimes the power ministry of Jesus Christ is not being received in the places where people feel like they don't need it they feel like they know something they feel like they have something and all of a sudden they just sort of cut themselves off from the miracles and the signs and the wonders it doesn't move them it doesn't touch them parting the red sea you can still go serve and worship an idol right after it happens but this is what he says in a dark place If I were to shine a light, it would shine so bright that people would actually respond and repent. But if I shine my light in a place where people that think they're bright and they're really not, not much happens, but which one is more tolerable on the day of judgment? When I read that, I just thought, oh God, I pray. I pray that this is never true of us, that this is never true of the church of Jesus Christ, that we don't become callous to the word and to the power ministry, that we actually come to a place where we recognize that we need the power of God that we're crying out like the revivalists of the days of old. God, we need your power. We need you to move again in our day. We don't just want safety and security. We want the power of God. We want the gospel to change lives again. And that requires a new dependency on Jesus and Jesus alone. It requires something fresh in our lives. And I would admit to you, I'm first in line right now. I want more of what God wants to do. Jesus said in Mark chapter 16, signs and wonders will follow them that believe. I started thinking about that. There are a lot of people that believe in Jesus for personal salvation, that he's Lord, they believe in him, that he died, he rose again, that they've received forgiveness of sins in his name. But that's not, power doesn't follow people that just believe in Jesus for personal salvation. And we all know that. So what does power follow? Those that believe. Believe what? Those that believe. Not only that they follow Jesus, not only that he's Christ, that he's Lord, that he rose from the dead, that they receive forgiveness of sins, but they believe that by the Spirit of God that they've been filled and that they can pray and lay hands on the sick and they can minister to people and share the gospel and lives can be transformed and changed People can get delivered. Talk about those kind of, that's belief, that's faith. It's not about who we're believing in. That's for personal salvation. It's about what we're believing for. Signs and, and wonders follow them that believe that they are filled with the Holy Ghost and God has sent them out in power to be a prophetic witness in the world. If we wake up in the morning and we, we step out, we step out of our door, we must recognize who we are, that we are prophetic powerful witness in the world to bring forth the purposes of God for which we read about in scripture. And I want to remind us of that. We have power and we have power for a purpose. The point I want to make to you tonight is we need the power of the Holy Spirit. We truly do. Jesus, after he had risen from the dead, he comes to his disciples in Luke chapter 24 and verse 45. And it says, then he opened their minds so that they could understand the scriptures. He told them, this is what is written. The Christ will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day and repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. I am going to send you what my father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. Ladies and gentlemen, friends, Family, let me ask you a question. Do you feel like you are clothed with power from on high? Now, I've been baptized in the Holy Spirit, and many of you have as well. But listen, it's not about a past event. It's about a current reality. Are we wearing, are we clothed with power from on high to be a witness of Jesus? I think it's so interesting. Jesus was the best teacher He gave the best teaching to the disciples for three years, and Jesus comes to them after his resurrection, and he basically says, you needed the teaching I gave, but it wasn't enough. I want you to wait in Jerusalem until you receive the power. What you have right now is not enough. Your teaching, your knowledge, it won't It won't bring about the results for which I am sending you out into the world. You need power. And we've got to come to that place just the same. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. We need spiritual gifts. We need healing. We need prophecy. We need signs, wonders, and miracles that accompany the gospel of Jesus Christ. The demonstrations of God's power through faith and prayer can provide an on-ramp for us sharing the gospel with people. This has happened in my life many, many times. Jesus, the last thing at least that we have recorded that he said to his disciples in Acts chapter 1 and verse 6, he says, It says, So when they had come together, they were asking him, Lord, is it at this time that you are restoring your kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, It's not for you to know the times or the epochs which the Father has fixed by his own authority. Don't worry about the times. Don't stir the controversy. Come on, somebody. You know what I'm talking about. Because that's fixed by the authority of God. And he ain't telling you, but you, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem, in Judea, and Samaria, and even to Federal Way, Washington. Come on, somebody, to the remotest parts of the world. And now the gospel has come all the way full circle to Federal Way, and he wants us to go all the way around the world again until every man, and tell every woman, here's the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. But notice this, he says, you shall receive power. The word is dunamis. And sometimes people say it's like dynamite. Well, that's not what it means. I believe it's Kettle's Theological Dictionary says that this word literally means power to do miracles, just like Jesus, that we can do far beyond what human beings can do. Why? Because Paul says it this way, we have this treasure in earthen vessels to show that the all-surpassing power is from God and it's not from ourselves. We've got to remember that God wants to show off and he doesn't want us to show off. He wants to show off because we're earthen vessels. God wants to take you and he wants to take me and he wants to show off his power in earthen vessels like us. That's all we are, but God can use clay. God can use these jars of clay and show his power to the nations. Witnessing is not something that we do. It is something that we are. We are witnesses of Jesus Christ. It is to encompass our entire life. It is what we are, whether in word or in deed, whether we're regardless of who we're in front of or who we're around, whether we're a good one or a bad one. We are witnesses of Jesus Christ. It is what we are. You cannot escape it. It is the mission that we have signed up for in being His follower. Paul knew this reality and he said to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians chapter two and verse one, he said, when I came to you brothers, I did not come with eloquence or superior wisdom. I proclaimed to you the testimony about God for I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I came to you in weakness and fear and with much trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power so that your faith might not rest on men's wisdom, but on God's power. What's he saying? He's saying that what I shared with you was accompanied by what I showed you. And we need to go back to that. We need to go back to not only sharing, but showing. And it's not just love as it is in the natural, but we have power. We can lay hands on the sick, and maybe right now in social distancing, we're not doing a lot of that, but friend, we're coming back to it. I'm going to tell you right now, I'm not going to go that long without laying my hands on some people. I may not touch their face. I'm not going to touch their face, okay? I want you to know something. I'm not going to put my hand all over their face, but we're going back to a time where we're laying hands on the sick, and we're going to see them recover. Social distancing is not going to stop that. In fact, we're going to push back, and there's going to come a time There's gonna come a time, we're in this weird interim period, but we will lay hands on the sick and see them recover. Listen, I remember stories and moments in my life where God used prophetic moments, where he used healing moments to bring about words of knowledge and words of prophecy to see people healed and saved and delivered. And I'll share some of that with you, but here, what kind of power are we talking about? And I just wanna share with you three things, the power to prophesy, the power to heal and the power to deliver. There are many passages when we talk about this, but we have power to prophesy. And we read about something very interesting Paul's letter to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. I've already written a book called Prophesy to the effect that we all can prophesy, but look what Paul says in verse 24, 1 Corinthians 14. But if any unbeliever or someone who does not understand comes in while everybody is prophesying, he will be convinced by all that he is a sinner and he will be judged by all and the secrets of his heart will be laid bare. So he will fall down on his face and worship God, exclaiming, God is really among you. This is the power of the, of the prophetic, where unbelievers will profess the reality of God. That's what I love about the prophetic. You can share a word of knowledge. You can share a prophetic word. You can share a word of wisdom, and God will reveal himself that he knows the hairs on our head. He knows us by name through another person, and it reveals that Jesus truly is alive. We see this at work in Jesus's life with the woman at the well where he calls her out, There's multiple stories that you read about in the gospels. I could continue and go on and on about them. But I've had many of these things happen in my life where I've shared a prophetic word and that was a moment of power which brought brought out another moment of evangelism. I remember one time I was a young adult pastor and I was conducting a service and we were right on this street and there was a young man that walked in. He worked at the local restaurant. It was was just a, a... it was just a drive-through restaurant, basically. And he comes in after work. He didn't know what we were doing. He walks in the door. He sits down. He goes through the service. There wasn't much left. And at the end of the service, I did what I normally do. I prophesied over him. He was a new guy. And usually, I pick on the new guys, okay, or new gals. I hey, Listen, no respecter of persons, men, women. I pick on new people. And I prophesied over him, gave him this prophetic word. He stepped forward, and he literally, this is literally what happened. This man fell to his knees, And he just looked like, he had utter amazement in his eyes. He didn't know what to do. He didn't know what to say. And he starts to wail. And when I mean wail, I don't mean he cried a little bit. I mean, he had serious tears and he was yelling. This man came to a place of repentance. He did what we just read about in 1 Corinthians 24. God is surely among you. I ended up getting this man to his feet. I led him to our savior. Jesus Christ, me and many others discipled him. We got to disciple him all the way until he had an unexpected death. But we know that this man is in heaven. The story didn't end perfectly, but in this it it truly did, that he has eternal life. It all started with him just walking in off the street and he sat through a service. That service wasn't enough. My teaching wasn't enough. But I gave him a prophetic word. It opened his heart. He began to talk to me about his life. I led him to Jesus. Because I believe that the power of God is an on-ramp for the gospel of Jesus. And that's exactly what happened in that moment. That's exactly what God continues to do in our life today as well. We have the power to prophesy. We also have the power to heal. When Jesus commissioned his direct disciples to go out and minister, the Bible says that he gave them power. Mark sixteen fifteen. before Jesus' ascension, Jesus commissioned his disciples to lay hands on the sick And that they would recover. In fact, I would challenge all of us to study the Gospels and come to any other conclusion than one-third of Jesus' ministry was to heal people. Acts chapter 10 attests to that, that Jesus went around doing good, healing those who were sick and casting out devils. He cast out demons, those that were oppressed of the devil. He set them free. Jesus healed all who came to him, and he healed all kinds of diseases. The healing ministry of Jesus has not ceased. We still have the power to bring healing in his name. I want to remind you of that. From this stage, in 10 months, we have seen an incredible amount of healing through through words of knowledge, words of wisdom. On Wednesday nights, while we were having our prayer gatherings, Pastor Darvey and our prayer partners, we have seen so many people healed. We have seen so many people set free. Sometimes it's more and sometimes it's less. Not everybody we've prayed for has been healed, but some have, praise God. We're thankful to see that happen, but you know what I'm hungry for? I'm hungry for us to go outside of buildings and we're already there. God is doing a new thing. And when we come back into the building, we cannot keep it here. We've got to remember that the power of God that he's put inside of us has to go wherever we go. Jesus said in John chapter seven, verse 37, he said, Rivers of living water will flow from your innermost being. Rivers, they're streams. A lake is something that's stagnant, but rivers flow and they feed everything along its banks. They're life-giving. And that's what God says about the Holy Spirit through our life, that rivers, I believe rivers of healing, rivers of prophecy, rivers of power. Why? So that we can bring about the gospel of Jesus that men and women can be saved. We see that in Jesus's life. We see that also in our lives as well as we yield to what God wants to do. I've had many stories where I was at Starbucks and I just get out of the car or I get out of the line and I share with somebody. One time, I, I might've told you this story, but I was at a, going to a conference and we were in the drive-through and I was with some people and I saw these two individuals and they were just right out, right next to a car across the parking lot and I hear the Holy Spirit say to me, I want you to go talk to them. So I tell my people what I wanted uh, as far as my drink, because you've got to get your drink on. If you're at, if you're at a, some kind of coffee shop, you've got to get what you're getting. So anyways, I walked over to them, and I end up having this encounter. The young man, he starts to tell me about his life and what he's going through, and then he's got an alcohol addiction. His mom walks up, and she starts to tell me about how she's been abused and abandoned and all this stuff, and they live in this van across the street in a Home Depot parking lot, And I'm just listening to them, and all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit says to me, I want you to pray for her back, and I'm going to heal her. And I say, ma'am, do you have a problem with your back? You've got something going on here in the lower back area, and it's causing you great pain, and it's been there for a long time, and you're not able to sleep. She goes, yeah, it's been there for a long time. She explains the story, and I said, can I put my hand on your back? And with her son right there, I just lay my hand on her back, and I pray in Jesus' name. And she said, I just felt something happen, and she starts to cry because she can feel the pain leave her body. And I've had this happen several times, but this happened right there in the coffee shop parking lot, right there. And God moved on this woman, and then I started to prophesy to her son, and God started to move in his life, and the next thing you know, the people that I was with in my car are watching me. I'm in this big huddle with these two individuals that I just met, and I'm leading them both to Jesus. And I was in this conference that I was speaking at, and I told them I wanted to see them. The next day was Sunday, and I wanted them to come to the church service. And so we had two services. We actually had three. We had one on Saturday night, and I didn't see them at any of the services until the final service. And I remember I was a little discouraged because I hadn't seen them. I would prayed with them to receive Christ, but I wanted them to, to introduce them to a new church family. And so they ended up coming. They walk in halfway through my message. I was so excited, and I introduced them to a church family that they literally were right around when I had met them. Here's what I want to say it wasn't, it wasn't about me being the conduit for healing, it was about Jesus getting the glory, it was about Jesus becoming their Lord and Savior. It wasn't just about their body being made straight, because here's the reality if they get healed, but listen, God never reveals himself through Jesus. I never share with them the gospel. They'll ne- they may not have an eternity with him. They might have a better back. They might have no cancer. They might have something gone in their life that they don't want there anymore. But what it's really about, it's about knowing Jesus because we are all healed in the next life. We are all in relationship with him fully, completely, physically, in reality, in that next life as we cross over the threshold of glory and enter in to that that reality, that heavenly reality that we long for and we want to actually enter into. We have power to heal, but we also have power to deliver. From the beginning of Jesus's ministry, we see him cast out demons. There's a great story here in Mark chapter 5. Jesus delivers a man who's outside the city and he's possessed with many demonic spirits. After he Cast the demons out of this man. Here's something that happens in Mark chapter five and verse 18. It says, as Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demons possessed begged to go with him. That's what happens when people get delivered. They wanna go where Jesus goes. They wanna be with Jesus. Jesus did not let him, but he said, go home to your family and tell them how much the Lord has done for you. In other words, Jesus says, go be an evangelist. Talk about my power. Talk about who I am. Talk about what I've done. He commissions the newly delivered man to now become an evangelist to his family, friends, and city. Tell them how I've had mercy on you. So the man went away and he began to tell in Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him and all the people were amazed. Why were they amazed? They were amazed because a man that encountered Jesus, his delivering power, began to tell them what Jesus can do. I just have this thing in my heart that says, sometimes we've got to come to a place where we recognize that we have lost the zeal to tell people what Jesus can do. What has Jesus delivered us of? What has Jesus done in our life? How has Jesus healed us? How has he provided for us? What he has done in us now he wants to do through us. And it becomes an on-ramp by his own power to see people saved and set free and delivered. We need not be afraid of how people are gonna respond to us when we share about a loving savior, where we share about a soon and coming king, where we share about a healer, one who brings deliverance, one who has power over sin, over death, over hell, over over demonic spirits, over the grave. We need not be ashamed. And I want to stir us up. I want to shake us up. God's gotten us out of the building. And now I want us to use everything in our power to share the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. I want it to shake me. I want it to shake you. I want to show us that evangelism is for everyone. You say, well, Ben, I don't flow in power. I've never seen a miracle. I've never prayed for somebody and seen them healed, delivered. I've never even prayed with somebody to receive Christ. Well just because we haven't doesn't mean we can't and it certainly doesn't mean we won't. The mindset that we adopt in a moment like this is what matters the most. I have started, I've believed that God can use me. I have believed that the Holy Spirit lives in me. And I believe that God can do anything through me. And here's the reality, I believe that for everyone. Some of us are going to have different results. All of us are going to minister differently. Some of us are going to have a lot of people saved. Some of us might have one person saved. It doesn't matter. What matters is that God restores to us the joy of our own salvation, so much so that we are just unashamed of his gospel and we do what this man who just got delivered did. We start to tell how much Jesus has done for us so that people are amazed. Some people will reject Some people will resist, but there will be people who will be amazed. People you and I wouldn't pick. People that you and I would never think of. People that you and I right now are even putting last on our list. Ben Dixon was that guy. I was that guy. There are a lot of people even today that are shocked, that will be shocked when they learn about what I do. As I continue to see people from when I was a teenager, they still can't believe what God has done in my life and what I do for for my life right now, what I've given myself to. It's hard for them to believe. Why? Because people don't believe in the transformation that you and I know is true. But here's what we confess and here's what we profess. We say, Jesus, you can. Jesus, you will. And Jesus, do it with us. Do it with me. Start right now. I want to ask God to baptize us in the power of the Holy Spirit. In fact, you know what? I didn't plan that this would be the message that I would share tonight. And I'm going to talk about a similar thing even this weekend, that the power of the Holy Spirit is uncontainable. So we should not allow Him to be contained in our life whatsoever. We want to be open We want to be free to share as God has set us free in him. Before we pray, I just want to share something quickly with you. As I was praying, I saw a picture of a person and you feel like I I, I could perceive how you felt. It's not always about how we feel, but feelings are very powerful. They're real and they're not always right. I, I could feel what you felt and you feel like your life has been wasted and you feel like you're stuck and you actually might, the word foolish might be how you feel. You feel foolish because you didn't maybe do what you should have, you didn't go where you should have, you, you aren't where you should be. And here's what I wanna say to you and this was the word. God wants to restore your dignity. He wants you to be able to stand up straight. He wants you to be able to see yourself the way he sees you. He wants to restore your dignity that you can see yourself the way he does. It's not about us, but it certainly is about how God sees us. And when we see ourselves rightly, we can minister the way that he calls us. But we will forever be fighting the call of God in our lives if we simply continue to look down upon ourselves. We need not do that. And tonight, I pray over you, whoever you are, you feel foolish you feel behind the time of your development, you feel like you've wasted parts of your life, in Jesus' name, I pray right now that the power of the Holy Spirit would touch you and that he would arrest your heart and he would show you who he is, he would show you who you are, and you would be touched by your heavenly father knowing that it's not too late, knowing that God wants to use you, knowing that it's not just about you, that it's about him that he's able to take our lives and do whatever he wants to do, and he can do it right now. The question is, will we yield to him? And I believe your answer tonight is yes. That's your answer. I saw someone also, and I saw you, you were, at, it was, I believe this was, this was a woman, and you were sleeping, and I saw you just get up in the middle of the night, and you have physical um, and mental complications. It was anguish I saw in you. There were complications that are causing you to just wake up unexpectedly and not be able to sleep and I just believe the Lord's going to heal you right now and so we're going to pray in Jesus mighty name father I pray that whoever that was our beloved sister in the Lord we pray over her right now in Jesus name be healed I pray that you would have the best night of sleep tonight I pray that God would give you rest he gives his godly ones rest the psalms say and the Lord would replenish you the Lord would release you of any mental anxiety that is just over you right now, that God would set you free. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. And I want to just pray over healing and the power of the Holy Spirit to come. So Father, we thank you. We pray for your healing power tonight. I thank you, Lord, right now. I just see you laying hands on somebody's actual head right here. Father, we pray over those headaches We command those headaches to leave those bodies in Jesus' mighty name. Migraines, go in Jesus' name. Father, we pray that you would touch our family, those that are tuning in, those that are listening, our church. God, lay your hands upon us right now in the name of Jesus. Right now, I just see somebody, your upper chest area just goes all the way up here, all the way up to your shoulders. You just have some kind of strange pain that kind of comes over you. We just pray over that be healed in the name of the Lord Jesus. We thank you, Lord. Would you come? I see somebody running. I'm just having a vision right now, and I see that you were running or you were a runner or something like that, and you just had like a a fall of some kind, and it's caused you to not be able to, to do what you once did. You just have a lot of complications, whether it's like hips and legs, and it may have happened while you were running. But I just pray right now that God would heal you and restore you completely. You may not need to go back to being a runner, but function, mobility, that God would give that to you right now. Father, we thank you for full and complete healing in Jesus' mighty name. Now, friends, let's do this. As we close, let's pray for the power of the Holy Spirit to fill us, but also John seven thirty-seven to flow through us. I want to pray that God would freshly baptize baptize us with the Holy Spirit and even prepare us for this weekend when we gather. That there's something about expectation. As we gather, God will move in ways that we often did not expect. Well, let's expect. So as you put your hands out tonight, Father, we thank you that you would baptize us fresh in the power of the Holy Spirit. We thank you for what you do. And we pray, God, that you would make us mighty witnesses in Jesus' name that we would take your power to those that have yet to come to know you, that you would open up doors on ramps so that we could share the glorious gospel of Jesus. But we pray that we would be witnesses filled with power, that we would be sent as Jesus was sent, that, Lord, we would not hold back, but we would take those risks even in the day that we're living in, that we would see the sick healed, that we would see those that are vexed, those that are oppressed delivered, that we would see those that are wandering, That are aimless and purposeless, that we would have prophecy for them and speak to them about what you're saying, and they would hear the voice of the Lord. We thank you ultimately that they would come to know you as Savior and Lord in Jesus' mighty name. And God's people said, Amen. Thanks for listening.